Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another Thursday night edition of BAMS Radio. You got us for two hours tonight. We got a whole crazy show planned for you. I'm Thomas Watts. I'm generally producing, but as has been the case several times recently, they let me out of my production cage. Probably a mistake, but, you know, that's what happens when you're the man behind the boards making the magic happen. Joining me is Drew DeArmond. Drew, how you doing this evening, buddy? Pretty good, Thomas. Good to be with you again on BAMS Radio. We're going to have another fun two hours as Alabama's finished six spring practices, and we'll have number seven uh, tomorrow night. And strike three as he smokes the hitter. And uh, we'll have a, we're having some real live updates tonight. Uh, they're uh, they, they're going Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday this week on baseball. Gotcha. And the number one starter for the Crimson Tide, Jeffrey Bramlett from Hoover, Alabama just uh, struck out the side in the third inning and Alabama leads four to nothing in Athens right now. And you can watch it live on the SEC network uh, uh, on your uh, internet uh, or uh, uh, I guess that or a smartphone or whatever you want to do, but hopefully you're listening to BAM's radio and and muting the game and watching (laughs) Alabama baseball uh, without your blood pressure spiking on uh, SEC Network, I, I hope it'll say, be. Drew, it's it's a it's not a midweek game. Yeah, yeah, not not a midweek game. game. You know, <laughs> Tuesday kind of made everybody want to throw up, and uh, it, you know it was an F. But uh, right now, Bramlett's pitching well, and uh, the bats have come alive a little bit, and they got a four-run second inning. So it's four to nothing tied here, about an hour in, and uh, we'll hopefully things will continue to go well in Athens. Sounds like a plan. We also I was I was able to. Duct tape and bailing wire, the back end together a little more. We've got Kerry Clark with us. Kerry, how you doing this evening? Doing good. I got to see all four of those run scores, so yeah, we're good. Awesome. Yeah, we we uh, finally got finally had some uh, hit, you know, some good at bats with with runners on, and uh, Connor Short got a big hit with two outs to continue to add. And early in the ball game, two for two for Keith Holcomb, who uh, missed the series last weekend with a little bit of an ankle issue and. It's become painfully obvious that they need Keith in the lineup, and of course he's going to miss some valuable practice time on the football field. But he can still be a contributor in that sport, and uh, he's—I love his approach at the plate. Uh, his second at bat was really good too. He had two strikes and really shortened up his swing to get a nice uh, base hit in the right center. And he just keeps getting better every game. And they've—they've they've got to keep him in the lineup if uh, they want to win. He makes things happen. Well, it's interesting that the. Uh, one of the best hitters they have is a guy that didn't even recruit. I mean, of course they recruited him, but I mean he's there because he's recruited to sign and play football. But 
He is going to contribute, but I'm just wondering, is he going to come back and scrimmage Saturday? Um, no, he will be with the baseball team. I, I guess to, he could make it before the scrimmage, but 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 Kerry, I doubt it very seriously. Uh, when I say that, and really that's not possible because the uh, ball, the uh, game will first hit the game on Saturday is at eleven o'clock, and I believe the scrimmage is around one or one thirty. So uh, he will not be uh, with the football team this weekend. I thought they when football conflict with football was going to win out, but. I guess not. Well, he traveled with the team. That's why Saban said that this week in the press conference. He's going to be gone the rest of the week, and uh, he will. As a matter of fact, he he will probably be able to do a double duty of both sports uh, for a day because the baseball team will be in town against the Ole Miss Rebels that weekend. Uh, but he'll probably be able to do both, play an a day game, then go play baseball at five o'clock. I think is the first pitch of the game that day. But and will probably be my uh, first time in the new Joe. Uh, but Right now, uh, he's going to be with baseball this weekend, and they need him badly. Well, speaking of football, Drew, uh, pretty important scrimmage coming up this Saturday. Uh, you and me and uh, our first guest uh, will all be there. Uh, he'll join us at 8.15. Uh, William Redfish Barger, 7.15. Excuse me, I keep forgetting. We're doing 7 to 9 now. Uh, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of interesting things that, that, uh, that the group can be looking at, and uh, of course, it all starts at the quarterback. It does, and it's it's interesting, you know, hearing some things this week that nobody's really been super impressive of the four yet, and uh, most of the positive uh, vibes and reports you've been hearing so far have have come, you know, with Jalen Hurts and his quick acclimation to SEC and Alabama football, but it's still anybody's uh, job. It's going to come down to who performs well with the bullets flying. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put too much into what what you've heard yet so far. You need to just – it's going to be very intriguing to watch and see who gets most of the reps on Saturday. I think overall we know what's going to happen. They're going to give all four of them a shot. But uh, especially uh, the top two or three uh, – Cornwell, who seems to have probably, uh, you know, gotten back in the good graces of the coaching staff and kind of got his head out of his butt after having the, uh, the poor end of spring football last year and the just 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 awful fall. But uh, he's a redshirt sophomore going into that, and he uh, it's obvious that he he may have uh, you know gotten back on the right track. And he's big, you know, as Coach Saban said, he may have the most arm talent. He's impressive physically. Uh, and and then and then you got Blake Barnett. There hasn't been a whole lot said about him. The things I have heard, he may have, he may be struggling with his deep ball a little bit. But I've always thought he was a gamer. We'll see how he reacts in the scrimmages. Jalen Hurts heard very good things about his arm and his athleticism and and uh, and his ability to be a dual threat guy. We'll see. I mean, the closest I ever thought we could, we were going to see uh, come to see maybe a freshman stuck with Blake Barnett last year. That did not happen. And uh, Coach Saban has never done it, so I have a hard time believing it will be Hurts. But I guess you never know. And then Cooper Bateman, sounds like he's been doing everything he told him to do. He finished last year as a wide receiver last spring, uh, but improved quite a bit from the spring to the fall. Now let's see if he's improved again. He, he's probably, he and Hurts have the most mobility, but I've always had doubts about, one, the instincts of the position for uh, Cooper Bateman, and two, being able to throw the ball accurately and deliver the football uh, consistently, but we'll see. I mean, it, to be honest, the the, the uh, weapons around the quarterback, they're going to have a plethora of them, and you're going to need to spread the ball out. So, And it's funny because 
it, the difference uh, the last two years when Alabama has been trying to uh, establish a uh, first-year starter has been they've been able to just they've been able to they could lean on the running game. You had pros in the backfield. You had T.J. Yeldon, who's now the starter with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had Derrick Henry, who backed him up, and then Derrick Henry Wiseman this year. And you have uh, Kenyon Drake, who will be a pro as well. You know, overall, uh, you had some pros in the backfield. I think Bo Scarborough is a pro, but you've got a lot of inexperience in the backfield. So I, the, the strength of the team is the wide receivers. So uh, while the last couple of years you wanted the quarterbacks to minimize mistakes and kind of manage the offense, I think this year you're gonna, it's going to be the whoever can make the, the throws the most consistently, who can move the team and, of course, lead the team. But whoever it, it wins this job, they were all four heavily recruited. They're going to have to throw the football because I really believe the running game may take a little, bit, uh, a little while to mature. And I just really think this is going to be a team uh, early on that may pass first. And I think uh, with all the weapons, it needs to be like that. Probably so. And another thing is uh... – well, I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead and go to the Asian Rim hotline because we only have a few minutes before our first uh, guest. But let's go ahead and go to the Asian Rim hotline and bring in Big C from Greenville, Alabama. What's going on, big man? All right, we're waiting for the weather to come in tonight. It's supposed to get rough, but hopefully it don't get rough up y'all's way. But uh, I was just, yeah, I know y'all were talking about the quarterback situation right now. As history goes by, it sounds like to me probably Baton is Baton's job to lose, I guess, or whatever. Y'all still there? We're seeing something going on in the background. Oh yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we, uh, what do y'all think? Well, I think Bateman. You could argue he might be right now. I really don't think there is a number one. I think uh, there's definitely. I think coming in, it was. Uh, top three, and I think Bateman, you know, uh, Barnett and uh, Cornwell, and I think Hertz is making it a top four, and it's just going to play itself out. I mean, I think – now I'll say this. I, I think when the, when the ones come out uh, Saturday that Bateman will be number the first one out, but it's just going to come down to who handles themselves well and who plays well. And you remember last year – uh, not many people. Alec Morris started uh, one of the scrimmages, and it turns out the only reason that even happened, and Jake Coker played, but the reason Jake Coker didn't play, me thought it was because, oh, you know, he, uh, he hadn't been performing well, or and he had been out with a quote-unquote injury. He was injured, he had, but he had a cracked foot, and that's the only reason he didn't start that scrimmage, turns out. That's why Alec Morris, uh, you know, uh, got the opportunity did okay, did a few good things, did some not-so-good things, ended up not playing hardly at all. But what came out of that stream, if you remember, Big C, is Cooper Bateman performed pretty well. And I think that uh, gave the coaches enough confidence to where they thought they could restart Barnett, who struggled. So it's just going to come down to these. The next three weekends, they're going to scrimmage, including A-Day, three times. And you're going to kind of get your pecking order after that. And then it's going to play itself out. So when somebody wins the team in the early fall. But it's going to be fascinating to watch. I still – and whoever wins the job, I think one or two of them are probably going to transfer, but that's just life uh, with when you have QBs. And uh, that's – and Alec Morris, I think, felt like he was not going to win the job. He was limited uh, talent-wise and athletically you know, when you compare to the other four, and he didn't think he had a chance. So he went to North Texas, and I still think he'll probably be a coach someday, but you can't blame him. But it's just it's going to be a four-way dance, and we'll see how it plays out. And I'll let Kerry give his thoughts. 
You know, it, it comes down to, like Drew said, who wins the team. And it's early, too early to pick somebody as to win the team. Uh, a lot of times the team leads to the person that's been there the longest. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. They have four guys that can all play. Uh, I think Hurts probably needs to redshirt. It would be to his benefit to redshirt. Barnett's already redshirted. Cornwell's already redshirted. Bateman's already redshirted. So I really think it's a three-man race. And I think we'll have a little bit better idea after Saturday, Big C, but I think we'll have a whole lot better idea after A-Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, on the offensive line, I noticed they got Pierschbacher playing center right now. Do you think that's going to be a permanent move for him to move there? What do you all think on that? Uh, Pierce Baker is going to be the center, Big C, unless something dramatic happens. Um, he's he's really starting to win that job. And I can tell you right now, Mario Cristobal, uh, of course, they won the Joe Moore trade last year, but there's still some people who are critical. But his recruiting in the last two, three cycles is really starting to pay off because Cam Robb is not going to practice this spring or participate with his recovering from shoulder surgery and a knee injury uh, But uh, and resting his knee. Uh, but I can tell you this. Um, beyond a shadow of a doubt, um, is, is, is uh, uh, they are they still feel good about the O line and uh, and a good friend of mine um, who attended practice yesterday. Uh, they mm-hmm. the ones looked really good and the ones all the way from left to right uh, was Jonah Williams at left tackle, um, right uh, excuse me left guard Bradley Bozeman, center Ross Pierce Baker. Uh, and then your your uh, right guard, and this is a little surprise, Dallas Warmack, because uh, Big Shank is uh, he hadn't put away from the table enough. He didn't Uh-oh. make weight. And uh, yeah. and then right tackle, Big Lester Cotton, and they look pretty good. And uh, so wow. I thought they feel pretty good how the O line's developing. And if Lester can lock down right tackle, you may see Baldwin be the swing guy. Oh, interesting, because I know they signed. Bowen guy thought he might be the right tackle, but and then Warmack's brother's doing pretty good right now. Yes, he Hello. is. Hello. I see. Oh yeah. Well, uh, let's change over to basketball. Was that a surprise? Those two guys transferring or not, y'all? No, no not at all. Go ahead, I, Gary, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought that. Uh, I thought that Coleman was a little bit of a surprise. I wasn't surprised that Drew could back me up on this. I wasn't surprised by Hanson's at all. I just feel like they think they can get somebody in there that's a little more athletic and a little more physical. Uh, but Drew Coleman surprised me a little. Yeah, he did a little bit. I thought he could stay and be a valuable guy off the bench. I never thought he would start. But I think what J. Cole wants to do, I think he thinks he can start somewhere. And, you know, a great friend of this show, uh, who is a, is a good friend of mine, uh, and he's a good – I don't know, Kerry, we've had him on here. Garrett Tucker, he's uh, – as usual, he's on top of things. And he put out an interesting tweet today uh, now that J. Cole and, and uh, has been released. And I knew about J. Cole transferring, but I, 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 I didn't want to release it before Alabama. I didn't want to, you know, rock any boats. But uh, I just think right now – uh, it's, it's, I, I think, honestly, he's going to have to move down into a mid-major program if he wants to start. I think – at Alabama, I was thinking you could run some two 
uh, point guard looks next year, bring him off the bench as a shooter. Uh, hopefully he was going to improve the consistency of his shot. Uh, you know, Dazon Inger would help him be able to create for him a little bit, and he would be a year stronger, a year more confident, and be able to kind of be an instant offense guy off the bench and also help with the ball handling. But with Avery Johnson Jr. coming off the transfer and uh, being eligible, he's the, I imagine that they, they, they see him as the backup point guard. Um, Justin still would have gotten some time there too, but he was not going to get starters minutes. And really, um, the I think he wants to be a starter. And so far, he's had Murray State, Northern Kentucky, Samford, and Georgia State reach out to him today. Uh, but I just really think you, you'll see Justin uh, reemerge at a school like that. But he's not going to be at a power five. I think he's a little bit on the small side. His shot never, you know, got consistent at Alabama. I, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think it was mutual that he left. I do think that uh, Avery wanted him to stay somewhat, but didn't argue and didn't fight for him to stay. I think Avery's confident enough in himself that he feels like he can recruit, and, and, he, and, and he, he probably doesn't blame Justin for wanting to go somewhere and play more minutes. So it's a little disappointing, but Michael Kessens, I mean, hell, help him pack, brother. The guy couldn't play dead in a B-Western. And uh, he's a typical Anthony Grant big man. He's soft. He can't, you know, he didn't do anything. He he started out of necessity because Shannon Hale had his issues. And uh, and basically, uh, Dante Hall wasn't ready yet. Uh, But really, by the end of the season, I would have been starting Dante Hall. I was one of my only qualms with Avery Johnson. But uh, just the only positive I saw out of Michael Kessens all year was the end of the Auburn game in Tuscaloosa where he kind of asserted himself. Other than that, he was three points, three rebounds. You weren't going to get much more out of him. And he can either go back at home and go uh, to Switzerland and play overseas or find a, DeWanda, a uh, mid-major or a new school to play his last year. But he's, I, I just felt like you can go get a better player than that. And I'm, and I'm positive uh, that, that that was what the coaches were thinking there. And so I, I just really believe – that uh, Kessens wasn't a surprise at all, and uh, and Coleman was a little bit, but uh, he, and, but Coleman's not a backbreaker. I think they can go out uh, and uh, and get someone. And a guy that I've learned about tonight is someone to kind of watch. Is there's a guard at Wisconsin Milwaukee named Akeem Springs. Everybody kind of better remember that name a little bit. Yeah, and when Cecil Hurt followed him on Twitter, that kind of clued me in. I'd seen the name the day before. But I wasn't sure how serious we were, but apparently we are serious. Uh, but Big C, we got to let you go now. We've got another guest on hold. So thank you for calling him. We'll holler at you in the morning. Uh, next up on the Asian Rim Hotline is a, is a very good friend of the show. And, Drew, I'll let you bring him on. Absolutely. Uh, good friend of mine, good friend of this show. And uh, I know he's anxious as well for this weekend for the scrimmage. And uh, this, and he's uh, I know getting a lot of intel this week about what's coming from the practice field. But, Really, uh, what we, we, we might just say, he's become a permanent contributor uh, to BAM's radio, and that is, of course, former Alabama offensive lineman, 1992 national champion, and, of course, a uh, very good friend of one Kevin Turner, who may he rest in peace. He was uh, his, uh, just his soliloquy and his uh, testimony about Kevin was uh, some of the best BAM's radio I think we've ever had, and that's William Redfish Barger. William, how are you doing tonight, sir? Well, I'm doing good, Drew. I, I, you know, the the one thing that I was listening to when when y'all had me on hold is uh you know one of the few Alabama basketball games that I watched this year uh you know must have been that Auburn game that you were talking about and I was you know I was watching the Kessens kid make dunks and yeah thought, he did yeah you know, I, I thought you know him and and Donta the, the Hall kid whatever his first name is I was like you know I I really don't know 
uh, you know, less than what I thought I knew about basketball to hear y'all, you know, talking about being glad that the Kessels kid was gone. But anyway, um, we'll we'll get back into something that I, you know, know, you know, maybe a little bit something about, about spring football. But uh, good stuff. I just, you know, all I can say about it is I hope Avery Johnson can, uh, you know, bring the kind of players in from a recruiting standpoint that y'all think he can. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're going to add three or four pieces in the late signing period. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And I'll just end it by saying this, too. I did say Kessins wasn't a very good player, and he wasn't. But he was a good kid. He did his work academically. He's going to get his degree in May. Didn't cause any problems. And may he get his degree and then go on and uh, either whether he decides to play professionally overseas like Carl Engstrom or go on to another school, good luck to him. But I just felt like Alabama needed to upgrade overall. But, yeah, William, it's going to be interesting. And, uh I was going to tell you, you probably may have heard while you were on hold, but a, a good friend of mine, former player, uh, went to practice yesterday, and uh, he he, uh, he got a chance to watch the entire practice, and he called me and kind of let me know a few things, and he told me about the O-line, and uh, he's a former offensive lineman, and so that's what he was really watching, and he was really excited about the ones that he saw and the way they performed in the work. Well, tell me a little bit about it. I haven't heard this. Okay, I wanted to, I'll just tell you, left to right, and uh, and, and you, you're not going to be surprised by most of this. But with the ones was Jonah Williams uh, at left tackle. And he said he looked very, very good, of course. And then uh, and with the left guard, Bradley Bozeman, uh, to kind of be expected. Uh, Pierce Baker uh, was uh, at center. He seems to be taking control there. And then here's where it got a little interesting. Uh, right guard was Dallas Warmack. And he said that uh, from the, who he talked to, Shank is too heavy and did not make weight. And so right now, Dallas is with the ones, and then Lester Cotton was at right tackle. Wow, that is interesting. Um, you know, the, the only thing that kind of really surprises me is, um, you know, the, the Warmack move to right guard. And I say it surprises me, but it really doesn't. Um, you know, I can remember having a conversation with a with a staff member, um, not this time last year, but, you know, July, August of last year. And, you know, Dallas, you know, certainly didn't show up on campus, um, you know, looking like his older brother, playing like his older brother. But, you know, I, I've said this before on the show, you know, there there is one place that I – every – day when I get to work, the first thing that I do is, is I log into Facebook and I go to the LeBentley Charles Offensive Line Institute out in Arizona. And, you know, th- this guy, you know, he was an all pro uh, for many, many years, you know, played at Ohio State, uh, was considered the best offensive guard in the NFL during his, his career. Um, but, you know, this is kind of where you know, all the sports agents sends, um, you know, their offensive line prospects when they're training for the, for the NFL draft. Um, you know, Chance goes there, you know, during the off season. And, you know, last May, um, you know, Chance, you know, paid the money to have Dallas go out there with him. And, you know, when he came back, his body was transformed um, and he was a different player. And, you know, some of the you know, the staff members that I talked to at Alabama weren't really that high on him 
um, before he went out there, but they were very high on him when he came back. And, you know, I, I would just say this to all the people that are listening, you know, if you do have access to Facebook um, and you enjoy the, you know, kind of the trench warfare like I do with O-line, D-line, and front seven personnel, um, you know, go spend some time and, and, and pay attention to um, what LeBentley Charles does with these O-line guys and, and front seven guys. But, you know, it kind of surprises me a little bit that, that maybe um, Dallas has moved in front of, of Shank at right guard. But at the same time, it doesn't because um, of the time and the, the money and the commitment that his family has made for him to go out there and work with. Um, in my opinion, um, you know, the top O-line guy that's not a college or an NFL offensive line coach. And, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, I think that's something that we all have to pay attention to as Alabama fans going forward is, you know, you might see a changing of the guard, um, so to speak, with Brent Key. Um, you know, being in charge of those interior guys as Mario Cristobal, you know, moves out and then starts working with the offensive tackles and the tight ends more. Um, but that, that's that's interesting. I appreciate that practice observation that your friend gave you. Well, and I will say this. He, he had not had high expectations. He was a little bit worried because of replacing Kelly and and uh, moving people around, and of course, everyone knew Cam was banged up, and and uh, and of course they, they they needed to develop some offensive tackles. Uh, we know Dominic Jackson's gone. He wasn't sure how good the O line would be, but he really thinks they're going to be better than last year. And he thought the group just really looked good overall. No, and I, I totally agree with that. I think you know when you see this finished product, and I don't think you're going to see it until. Um, August, maybe even not until the second or third game. Um, you know, you're going to see that. You're going to see, you know, Brent Key come in and, you know, have an impact on those interior guys. I, I, I totally agree, um, you know, with the move of Pierce Baker to center, um, you know, from, from his left guard slot that he started at last year. You know, he is more Barrett Jones slash Ryan Kelly um, then he is, you know, Chance Warmack. You know, he's a he's an athlete that's playing offensive line. You know, he was never going to be a, uh, you know, a road grader as, a, as an offensive guard. He, he's an athlete. You know, he, he gets a hat on the hat at the second level with linebackers. Uh, but, you know, he's not a guy that's going to line up and, and get the three-point stance and blow a 315-pound defensive tackle off the ball. Um, you know, so I think that was a great move. Um, you know, I think the, the one thing that intrigues me the most about this 2016 team is, you know, you've got a guy in Lester Cotton that's over there, you know, hanging on at that right tackle spot. Um, you know, me personally, I want to see Lester, um, you know, go into the scrimmage this weekend and, and, and even more so the scrimmage next weekend and perform at a high level at that right tackle spot when the lights are turned on, where he's got emotional pressure put on him. Um, you know, I think he's kind of a a guy that's a, um, you know, could possibly be a sling player that plays right tackle, could, you know, factor in at both guard spots. 
Uh, but you know, it's a good it's a good place to be in if you're Nick Saban and you're looking at all these athletic offensive linemen. You know, Jonah Williams coming in as an early enrollee, and you know, keeping that left tackle spot warm for Cam Robinson. Um, you know, obviously Bradley Bozeman, he's one of the strongest players on the team. Um, I, I think as as spring practice plays out, you know, we really don't have a lot of time left in this thing. Um, you know, it's two and a half weeks away, you know, three weeks away from, from A-Day. Um, you know, we'll run out of time here. But I think, you know, th- this this Brent Key uh, hire and, and Mario working with the tackles and the tight ends, um, that's been one of the biggest things that's intrigued me about spring practice 2016 so far. And one more thought, William, based upon his observations, uh, he did tell me that Cam Sims was looked like a new person. Uh, Mobility-wise, he was moving very well and looked really good in, pra- in the practice. And, and then the other thing that was very interesting is he said the, the defense had a lot of trouble tackling Xavion Marks which I thought was very well, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and, and I think, you know, as they get a little bit deeper into spring practice, you know, I, I think the things that you have to watch out for, obviously, um, you know, Deshaun Hand is, is kind of um, starting to realize there was a reason a lot of people thought he was the number one player in the country as a senior in high school. Um, you know, you've got Rashawn Evans over there, um, flirting with that other inside linebacker spot. You know, the, the thing that I'm going to, you know, want to hear from you um, and Kerry, you know, y'all are both going to be there Saturday. Um, you know, can he defeat a 300-pound offensive guard and, and stone a running back in the hole, um, you know, versus a heavy look? I mean, I think we all know what he can do in space. Um, and, and I think that's where you get the – the Jeremy Pruitt influence with this defense, um, you know, he, he wants to find creative ways to get guys on the field, you know, like a Rashawn Evans. Um, and when you look at that situation, um, you know, do you take away uh, third down reps from guys like Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams, um, you know, or, or Jonathan Allen that proved to be, uh, you know, integral you know, components of the best pass rushing defense in college football last year. You know, where where do they find a way to get Christian Miller on the field? Um, so th- that all, you know, kind of plays into some of the stuff that I'm wanting to look at. Um, I think from a casual, ad- uh, you know, observer's standpoint, you know, they're all focused on, you know, that quarterback battle. But I think there's a lot more smaller battles that are going on down in spring practice right now that will lead to um, finding out whether or not this team can be a championship-caliber offense and defensive football team. William, you've been high on him since they started recruiting him, and now that he's out there at least temporarily running with the ones, tell the listeners what exactly is it that you like about Jonah Williams. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't name the, the, the person's name, Carrie, but uh, not this time last year, but let's just say June or July of last summer, um, I had a uh, staff member at the University of Alabama that, that told me if I didn't stop asking questions, 
about Jonah Williams that they were going to call his parents out in California and put out an Amber Alert on me um, for for stalking an 18-year-old kid that was a senior in high school. Um, He is one of the best high school offensive line prospects I've ever seen. Um, You know, 6'5", 288. Um, You know, he's proven to be one of the strongest players on the team. Um, You know, 455-pound bench press, 600-pound squat. Um, He's still capable of running like a tight end, um, you know, at that weight. You know, what what I would hope for, and, and, you know, this never works out, but what I would hope for for Jonah is, you know, staying put at the left tackle position for the the 2016 season, Um, you know, getting those garbage mop-up duty reps from a guy it's going to be a top ten draft pick uh, this time next year in, in Cam Robinson. Um, I just think that's where you know Jonah Williams' future is. Um, but you know he is uh, you know an elite football player, um, and I would love to see him have the opportunity, you know, to learn behind a guy that's going to be a top ten draft pick in Cam Robinson. But you know he's basically. You know, if you hit the rewind button from 30 years ago, he's probably a guy that would have been a tight end, um, but, but he's over there at left tackle. Um, you know, got the long arms, got the nasty disposition. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, he grew up uh, in Metro Atlanta. Um, he comes from a, a, you know, a family where the dad graduated from Georgia, the mother graduated from Auburn. Um I thought his recruitment was very interesting. You know, when you look at the, you know, the problem that Auburn has had with, with finding elite left tackles, um, you know, if you take Greg Robinson out of the equation, there really hasn't been another guy down there uh, that, that takes his place. Um, goes to Alabama. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal and Nick Saban pulled the trigger and said, you know, hey, we want you. He commits. Uh, but just just a guy that's an old school blue collar worker brings his lunch pail to work every day. Um, he's all that you can look for as an offensive line prospect in high school coming out. And you know he's been down there since the end of December. Um, you know I think got four practices uh, before they went to uh, the Michigan State game. Impressed a lot of people. Um, you know, now that they've got, you know, Cam Rob on vacation, um, he's down there holding down the, the most important position on the offensive line at left tackle. Um, you know, I can't say enough positive things about him except that um, when I look at offensive line prospects coming out of high school, and I'm talking about, you know, the Andre Smiths, the Cameron Robinsons, the Cyrus Quanjos, um, he's in that conversation. And I think he is one of the uh, – if I had to put a, a top ten list together, Jonah Williams would be in the top five. Before I ask you the next question, I wanted to tell our live listeners that uh, they're in the bottom of the fifth now in Athens, and Alabama leads Georgia 4-2 to two, uh, in baseball. Next question, though, William, uh, concerns the guy that's at least right now holding down right tackle, red, uh, not redshirt freshman, sophomore Lester Cotton, 
And uh, this is a guy that some of us thought might be a guard because we assumed that Charles Baldwin would be the right tackle. But in the quest to get the best five on the field, it appears that at least for now, Lester's the right tackle. Uh, tell us what you like about Lester Cotton. Well, you know, I think Lester, um, you know, kind of fell prey to, uh, you know, some of the things that go on in, in the recruiting industry these days. You know, if you're tabbed as a, a center or guard or, or maybe even a nose guard, um, you know, not even so much defensive tackle, you're not going to get that five-star label. Um Lester Cotton was a five-star offensive line coming out of high school. Um, you know, the, the the one thing that I want to see out of him is, you know, can he hold up when, when they flick those lights on over there at Bryant Denny Stadium? Um, you know, and I played with some guys that um, were, were kind of the carbon copy of him that were physically gifted. You can't coach that type of stuff. Um, but maybe they were a little bit deficient on the emotional side of what goes on in college football. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, they struggle to absorb the the, the playbook. Um, But make no mistake about it, he was a five-star talent coming out of high school. Um, You know, played last year, you know, he bounced around between, you know, left tackle, right tackle, offensive guard. Um, you know, he's a guy that could probably play positions on the offensive line. That's how um, good he is. You know, he's powerful. He generates power at the point of attack. He's athletic. Um, you know, he can kick slide um, at left tackle or right tackle and, and you know, pass block an elite level. Uh, but, you know, his emergence, um, you know, over there up to this point at the right tackle position, um, you know, brings a smile to my face because I think he is a guy. And I think, you know, you know, Carrie and Drew, we have to, you know, kind of take all this stuff with a grain of salt because we're, you know, we're going into this deal in spring practice where, you know, Mario's bounced out to, you know, the, the offensive tackles and tight ends. And you've got Brent Key coming in here with, a, you know, a different philosophy. And we don't really know what his philosophy is to this point. Um, you know, I know what Mario's philosophy was. You know, a lot of Alabama fans last year, you know, got bent out of shape about, um, you know, Alphonse Taylor and Dominic Jackson, you know, sacrificing, um, you know, quarterback hurries and, and sacks um, at the right guard, the right tackle position. But, you know, Mario's philosophy on that is, you know, hey, I, I'm going to sacrifice this, um, you know, with these guys in space. But, you know, I love what they do as straight-line guys. You know, you know, we're talking about moving people off the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I still don't have enough of a handle on, you know, what Brent Key's philosophy is with that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, people realize enough that, you know, the reason Derrick Henry won that Heisman Trophy last year had a lot more to do with what Alphonse Taylor and Dominic Jackson did at right guard and right tackle versus a guy like Ryan Kelly, um, who's more of a Barrett Jones, you know, slash technician, 
And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, some people are thinking might slide into the late, you know, first-round draft pick choices. Um, but, but more of a position blocker versus a guy that just lines up and mangles you at the line of scrimmage. And, William, I, I did think it was interesting that Cam Sims seems to be moving around a lot better. And uh, what many people may not remember is when he got hurt last year, he was having the best spring at any of the receivers. And uh, the, the one thing Alabama really uh, ha- hasn't had is the is the big red zone guy. Uh, they can go up and get the football. And now they could have two with uh, him and Garrick Dieter coming, uh, uh, you know, in by, by mid-May. Just uh, – your thoughts on Cam Sims and what kind of role he could play? Because I know there was some uh, talk of him being unhappy and maybe looking to transfer because of the development of Calvin Ridley and, uh, you know, our Darius Stewart. But do you still see him having a role at Alabama? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, I've had numerous conversations, um, you know, with a guy that's flirting with being a starting guy back there in the secondary right now about Cam Sims. And, um, you know, that they view him as a nightmare matchup. Um, you know, that they've, they've told me numerous times that, you know, if there's a jump ball and uh, it doesn't matter if you have perfect position on a guy like Cam Sims, you know, his hands are so big, he's so strong. Um, he's going to go up and get that jump ball. And, you know, much like you saw, um, you know, two or three years ago from a guy by the name of Mike Evans, Texas A&M, um, you know, much, much respect for Cam Sims, um, you know, from the current players, you know, back there in the secondary at Alabama right now. Um, and, and I think what you're seeing is the same thing that you saw out of a guy like Eddie Jackson two years ago, you know, when he had the devastating knee injury and it took him a year to recover from it. Um, I think you're seeing the same thing out of a guy like Cam Sims. And when you start talking about that wide receiver rotation, um, you know, I know a lot of Alabama fans are very excited about, you know, the Dieter kid that's coming in, you know, the graduate transfer. But, you know, you've got, Ardarius Stewart, you've got Calvin Ridley, you know, you've got Robert Foster, who if he hadn't gotten hurt, I wonder just how much Calvin Ridley would have emerged. Um, but, you know, now you've got another guy named Dalen Charlotte that's making a move. Um, I'll be interested to see once, um, you know, the Dieter kid gets on campus, just how much of an impact he can make at, in my opinion, um, you know, the second most talented and deepest position group on this 2016 Alabama football team, I would say that, you know, the number one group is the offensive line. I also wanted to ask you, William, uh, because there was so much hope held out for him, and he still may end up getting the job, but what do you think at this point is uh, is holding Charles Ballin back? Well, you know, Kerry, I think, number one, you know, people have to understand, um, you know, geographically, you look at where he played his junior college ball. Um, you know, it was in upstate New York. There, there's a big difference in playing junior college football in upstate New York versus playing, uh, you know, in the Delta of Mississippi. Um, you know, there's a much bigger jump. Um 
you know, going from a JUCO guy up there um, versus what he's seeing now every every day. I mean, you know, on the hoof, the guy looks fantastic. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that, um, you know, factors in. If he doesn't factor in in 2016, um, you know, he's a guy that can factor in down the road. But, you know, he's walked into a situation where, you know, he's got elite depth, um, you know, in front of him. Um, you know, you've Jonah Williams at left tackle behind Cameron Robinson. You've got Lester Cotton, um, you know, at the right tackle spot. Um, you know, a guy that I think the, the Alabama coaching staff thought was a project. Um, when he showed up last summer, and Matt Womack, who's proved to be better um, than they thought he was going to be. Um, you know, and again, this can all get, you know, jambled and jungled up, um, you know, when we get into the summer practices in August. Um, you know, you could see one guy emerge at right tackle, and, you know, maybe Lester Cotton gets, you know, slid down inside. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just going to take some time for him to get accustomed to, um, you know, what he's seeing day-to-day in practice from the SEC level. You know, I can share this with you from a first-hand standpoint. Um, you know, I never will forget, uh, you know, when John Copeland showed up in the spring of, of 1991. Um, you know, I could grab a hold of his breastplates and, uh, you know, drive block him five yards down the field, pick him up and plant him. After he spent six months with Mike Dubos, uh, you know, when they would call for somebody to go up against John Copeland, I was over there getting my face mask fixed on purpose because I didn't want no part of it. So that, that junior college, you know, learning curve, you know, it, 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 it tends to play itself out at different levels, Um all the way around. And I think that's what you're going to see from Charles Baldwin. Uh, I don't think Mario Cristobal would have brought him in if he didn't think he was an elite offensive lineman. And, William, I wanted to ask you, too, uh, I thought it was the, the comments about Xavion Marks were interesting because, you know, I've heard some buzzing that the backup running backs have not looked good uh, in scrimmage work and, that Bo Scarborough had been uh, as advertised, but the others had not. Marks is someone that's not really talked about a whole lot. Uh, he played just a little bit, returned some punts behind Cyrus Jones. He's a sophomore from Houston, Texas, uh, really more thought to be of a, of a track guy and undersized, but uh, he could be the favorite for the punt return job. And it, maybe uh, they, they, they might be trying to develop a role for him maybe uh, as, uh, as a third down back and a scat back sort of uh, in the the, that they did with Kenyon Drake last year. Yeah, and I think, you know, Drew, you just described it perfectly. I think that's what they're looking for from him is, you know, a guy that, you know, maybe they can split out and, you know, line up wide and, you know, in the slot and make him a slot wide receiver. Um, you know, he could be a guy that, you know, you you flood out of the backfield and, uh you know, do some of the same things that Lane Kiffin's done in the last couple of years with Kenyon. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy, um, you know, along with, with Anthony Averett and maybe even a, a Dalen Sherlock, um, that you kind of start looking at as a, you know, a kick returner, a punt returner. 
Um, you know, I think that's one thing that, you know, Lane Kiffin has at his disposal. Um, you know, when you start looking at, you know, these guys, you know, like Lane and Jeremy Pruitt that are, you know, going to make $1.5 million a year to, to make these decisions, um, you know, they both have so many weapons at their disposal um, that, that they can kind of pull the trigger on. And, you know, I think that might be where, you know, Marks might figure in. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you can flood out of the backfield and put him into a pass pattern. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you can flood out of the backfield um, and, and do some things with, you know, bubble screens and, and swing passes. Um, you know, also, um, you know, stuff that you can work in with the special teams, you know, as a punt returner or kick returner. And I, you know, I think that's a great observation and, uh, you know, a great point. You know, that that's a guy that's, you know, kind of down the, the depth chart, so to speak, in the pecking order. But, you know, he could be a guy that, you know, becomes an integral part of the 2016 team. I wanted to ask you about another offensive lineman. I, I guess I, I was trying to memorize what Drew said, but I, I guess Bradley Bozeman is running with the ones right now. Left guard, is that right, Drew? That is yeah. correct. Okay. Well, William, the question I wanted to ask was, what role, when it's all said and done, do you see Bradley Bozeman play on this team, either a starter or a swing guy at guard? It, it just—it it, it appears at this early stage that he's going to have a bigger role than he had last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, Terry, I think that was one of the, you know, most confusing things to me about the, the 2015 team. Um, you know, you saw him, you know, kind of lock that right right guard job down in spring practice of last year. Um, you know, I went to the first scrimmage, um, you know, last August. And, you know, he was still there. Um you know, that they had the second scrimmage and, you know, people saw, um, you know, him and Shank kind of rotating. And then, you know, against Wisconsin, you know, Alphonse was the, you know, the starter there. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, grew up in this state, um, you know, has mortgaged his soul to play for the University of Alabama. Um, he's He's one of the if not the strongest guy on the team, he's, you know, one of the top three, um, you know, showed up at Alabama as a 500-pound bench presser. Um, you know, they've gotten a lot of, you know, um, you know, mileage, I, I would say, out of him, you know, being a guy that wanted to play. You know, that was his dream to play for Alabama. Um, I, I think he's somebody – um, much like you saw, you know, three years ago um, with a guy like Alfred McCullough that turned into the swing guy. You know, he's a guy that can play left guard, right guard, center. Um, but I will be surprised if he is not um, a starter somewhere amongst, you know, the, those three positions on the Alabama offensive line in 2016. I think when you start looking at – you know, what they want to do, um, you know, he fits the bill. I mean, he is a very powerful guy, um, maybe not as um, athletic um, as a guy in space, 
but he's somebody that can, you know, if you line up a 325-pound defensive tackle in front of him, he can generate power at the point of attack and blow somebody like that off the ball. Uh, I'll be very surprised if he is not a part of the, the the five best guys that you see, you know, start versus Southern Cal in, in the Jerry Dome. Um, you know, hell, it, it, it sounds kind of like a, a long way off, but if you start looking at it on the calendar in front of you, um, you know, tomorrow's April 1st, uh, you know, that game's at the end of August. I mean, we're not that far away from that. Yeah, that's a great point, William. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Tony Brown. We know he uh, could face some suspensions at the start of the season. But I think, of course, well, there's been a lot of talk about Kendall Sheffield making an impact. But if Tony Brown, we all know his talent. If he uh, can get himself right and, and get in the good graces of the coaching staff and earn Coach Saban's trust – I feel like this secondary this year, and I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but I think it could be the most talented and maybe the best of the Nick Saban era with Minka going to corner with Marlon Humphrey. And you think about a five-star nickelback in uh, Tony Brown. Because when he got a chance to, to – when, uh, when Minka got a little banged up last year, I thought he did some really good things. And, uh, and I thought uh, he, he really uh, – when he when uh, when he was uh, when, he, when he played like against Mississippi State, especially, I thought uh, he did a nice job. Do you think that uh, that Tony, much like Eddie Jackson being the missing piece last year, that Tony could be uh, this year? Well, you know, Drew, I, I think the you know the, the sixty four thousand dollar question, um, you know, when it comes to Tony, is you know can he manage um, you know his personal baggage? And, you know, that's the one thing that he really hasn't done a good job of since he's been at Alabama. Um, you know, that being said, from a schematic standpoint, you know, I really don't know if, you know, he's going to be the guy that starts opposite Marlon Humphrey at corner. Um, you know, do you filter him back, you know, to, to the back end, uh, you know, next to Eddie Jackson? Does he become a safety um, you know, th- those those equations are out of my realm of, of answers, um, you know, especially since I never played that position, so it's hard for me to project that. Um, that being said, you know, he's a guy that is just, you know, you know, uber talented, um, you know, based on the position that he plays on the football field. I, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, I I had somebody tell me two years ago, um, you know, that the guy could, you know, be a first-round draft pick as a DB. Um, You know, he was a sparring partner of of Deontay Wilder. Um, And if he wanted to be a a professional boxer, he could do that. And then, of course, you've got, you know, the track issue with him. Um, But, you know, it's kind of gotten to the point of do or die, I would say, Um, you know, with Tony. um, You know, he's kind of on his last leg, so to speak, with the the leadership council, um, you know, with the demerits that he's racked up with his off-the-field stuff. Um, I I just don't know where, where you put him. You know, is he... You know, is he the lockdown corner opposite of Marlon Humphrey? 
or, you know, do you put Mika Fitzpatrick or Kendall Sheffield there and, and turn him into, you know, a center field guy at safety with Eddie Jackson? I, you know, I just don't know that. I'll say this. Um, he, he is one of the most talented athletes that Nick Saban has ever personally coached. And, uh, you know, I'm personally pulling for him. You know, I want to see him get his, you know, his demons taken care of and, um, you know, be that guy that, that, that the team can depend on. But right now, as we're talking about this tonight at uh, 8 o'clock, um, I just don't know if the 2016 Alabama football team can depend on Tony Brown. That's a fair statement. A uh, couple of quick observations before my next question. Uh, William, I, I, I talked one night on a Friday night a couple of years ago to the high school coach at uh, Hanley, Alabama. He was just emphasizing how that entire town, just even all the fans in the town, are pulling hard for Bradley Bozeman to succeed because he's such a good kid. And you mentioned Alfred McCollum's role. He played, uh, Alfred is injured right now, but when he gets healthy in a couple of weeks, he will be the only Alabama Jeremy Pruitt, um, you know, put his footprint on this defense. 
I think if he lets him go to the lengths that, that Jeremy wants to go, um, I think it could be something special. But, you know, you have to look at it from a positional standpoint. Um, you know, you've got Tim Williams and, and, and Ryan Anderson. You know, those are, you know, the two alpha dogs that are going to start, you know, in that rabbit package when they rush the passer on third downs. So, you know, how much is, you know, a Christian Miller, you know, going to factor in or about your specific question? Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Jeremy is, is working Rashawn Evans so hard, um, you know, at the at the will spot next to Ruben. Um, you you got to find a way to get this guy on the field. Um, you know, when you saw what his work was uh, in the national championship game versus Deshaun Watson, you know, go back and watch those explosive plays um, you know, that Rashawn Evans made, you know, he was credited with two sacks. He actually should have probably been credited with three, um, but I think he made the tackle one yard beyond the line of scrimmage and, and didn't get that third sack. But uh, that, that's that's what you have to kind of clue in on um, with this spring practice, carry is just how much will – Nick Saban allowed Jeremy Pruitt to pair this defense down, which I think has been a overcomplicated um, onion. And, you know, when you start peeling the, the layers of an onion back, um, you know, you get to a core. But how much Nick Saban lets Jeremy Pruitt pair this defense down to an onion, I think you're going to find out. Um, just how elite it can possibly be. And based on the people that I've talked to, if if Nick will give Jeremy that, you know, latitude, it's going to be a very, very special unit. Great stuff, William. And I think that's a great way to end it. Uh, and I agree with you. I think this defense has a chance to be special, no question about it. But we always appreciate the insight and the thoughts and the, we look forward now every week to you, uh, or, in, or at least most weeks, being on BAM's radio, and I know the listeners do as well. And really great stuff. I want to thank you uh, for uh, about 45 minutes with us tonight, and uh, have a great uh, rest of your night. And it's probably going to go a lot better than the baseball team right now who's choking, uh, but that's not surprising. But uh, but uh, we really appreciate the time, and uh, thank you, sir. And uh, great stuff. We look forward to uh, your thoughts on uh, what you hear and, what you, uh, when, uh, and of course, we're going to be reporting, Carrie and I, on the scrimmage from this coming Saturday. And we're going to be really interested next week to hear what your uh, thoughts and analysis are. And uh, we appreciate it, my friend. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to seeing what y'all see at the scrimmage Saturday, guys. Thank y'all for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank and, yeah, that's William Parger. Great stuff. A lot better than what I'm watching on my TV screen. Better be glad I'm not the athletic director at the University of Alabama. Uh, four to nothing lead has, of course, now evaporated. Uh, it's tied at four after uh, basically walking in, uh, wa- walking themselves into trouble. Uh, all of a sudden, lost his command, left with the bases loaded. Uh, Kyle Cameron gave up a sack fly. Looked like he might get out of it. But two straight walks has now tied the game. They're in their third. They're through the third pitcher of the inning, Dylan Duarte, and uh, we'll see if he can get out of this. Bases loaded with two outs. 
but uh, Alabama in some trouble. Had been up four to nothing, but as per usual under this coaching staff, uh, that is uh, was far was not a big enough lead, and the tide is now in a dogfight on a uh, Thursday night here. But we're going to go on a break here. Our five minute break as hour number two comes up. We're going to have uh, Jimmy Stein in hour number two and a very very nice conversation, everybody. Uh, with Gary Johnson, Alabama's latest uh, verbal commitment, the junior college linebacker uh, from Kansas. You're not going to want to miss that. Stay with us. Rolling down a backwoods Tennessee byway One arm on Holding my lover with the other, a sweet, soft southern thrill. Worked hard all week, got a little jingle on a Tennessee Saturday night. Couldn't feel better, I'm together with my Dixieland tonight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, need the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turn of dubbing on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life, oh, so right. My Munching on clover, red-tailed hawk sitting on a limb. Chubby old groundhog, croaking bullfrog. Free as a feeling in the wind. Homegrown country girl, gonna give me a whirl. On a Tennessee Saturday night. Lucky as a seven. Living in heaven with my Dixieland delight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, meet the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turn of dubbing on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life. We're back on BAMS Radio. Thank you for joining us again. If you're listening live, it's about six minutes after 8 o'clock Central Time. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark from BAMAMAG.com, joined as always by Judy Armand of 977 The Zone in Huntsville and Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, our executive producer uh, in the Mobile mobile Studio. And uh, going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> things are falling apart, Drew. I can't even hardly watch this. I'm on my phone and I'm behind, but it looks like it's... Uh, 
It's six to four, two RBI double, as usual. Great, great coaching decisions by Mitch Gaspard, who left Kyle Cameron in after he walked the bases loaded. Should have taken him out then to get out of the situation. Of course, he has no feel for handling pitchers. He leaves him in too long, and now they've given up a two RBI double. It's probably about to get worse. And uh, if I were the athletic director, he wouldn't make it back to the university. So do we need to start uh, keeping an eye on the entire staff over at Louisville? Uh, well, we just need to start getting a list together because this is pathetic. It's been going on for seven years. If I hear one more person say, well, you now have to let him recruit to the ballpark, I'm going to throw up oh, no. because don't give me this bull crap. And, uh, and I respect Aaron Suttles a lot. He knows his stuff. But to say on our show yesterday, uh, that, that Gaspard would feel heat if they didn't make the tournament in the postseason. He ain't going to feel heat. He's going to have to sell his house because I can just about guarantee you that Bill Battle will be forced to remove him because I'm sorry, the same thing happened in basketball when Bill almost botched that. And, again, I love Aaron. He is a great guy. But I completely disagree with him because you have to you – know, I mean, uh, and now we have an E6 and uh, another run score. So, it's 7-4. to four. Kujin can't feel his position. Feel his position. He's uh, doing a great job at shortstop there on a in-between hop. So, it's 7-4 dogs as it continues to fall apart with this pathetic display of baseball. He boots it with his own damn foot. Pardon my language. But, anyway, it's, it's time to make a change. Uh, the Alabama should be about winning in every sport. Uh, they spent $42 million uh, on a baseball, on a ballpark, one of the top – it's consensus, one of the top three to five in America. Our coaching staff, Mitch Gaspard is in the last year of his contract, 300000 a year. One of the in the bottom third of the league, go out, spend some money, go get a proven coaching staff, and knock people's teeth out. Okay, that's what you do. You don't put up with this mediocrity BS that we're having to watch right now. End of rant. Garbage. That's a good rant. Let me talk about something a little positive. Only one cuss word. That's fine. Uh, I want to talk positive, uh, and that's the job that, that Patrick Murphy continues to do with our softball program. Uh, I had not seen an actual coach. Yeah, Pardon definitely. me. Yes, a good, good coach and a great recruiter, and I got a chance Monday night to go see him in person for the first time this year. I've been meaning to get down there, and I just hadn't had time, and I, I made a point to go down there uh, Monday night and watch him, and they absolutely destroyed a top 25 Missouri team a team that had uh, beaten them pretty handily in game one Saturday. Alabama came back and run ruled them in the nightcap Saturday. They canceled the Sunday game. Uh, they moved it up to Saturday. They didn't play Sunday because of the weather. And then Monday night was the rubber game, the deciding game of the series. And it was a must win for Alabama because right now, Drew, Alabama's RPI, uh, or at least it was going into Monday, was eight. And you have to be in the top eight RPI-wise to have a shot at hosting a super regional. Sure, they're going to host a regional. That's almost a done deal. But to host a supervision, you've got to be in the top eight RPI. It's not those national polls. They're sixth in those, which is, is good. But RPI, there, so they really needed to win that game money. And they came out, I mean, they had a strategy because the person that uh, Missouri decided to start pitching, they found on film, had trouble fielding bunts. So the first two people bunted by plan. Well, when that worked so well, they went ahead and let the three-hole hit a Marissa Runyon, the designated player, bunt. So now they got bases loaded, and they just started destroying Missouri. There was a hit batter. There was a couple three-run homers. Uh, 
Got a chance after the game to talk not only to Coach Murphy uh, in the press area, but also to senior left fielder Callie Case and to true freshman catcher Reagan Dykes, both very well-spoken uh, young ladies. Uh, it was a great 16-2 win Monday night. You probably saw some of it on TV, Drew. But that program is in great hands. Oh, it is. It's coaching. It's something that, you know, that Alabama fans, is, if you've been a baseball fan as I have been, uh, and a diehard since 95 when Jim Wells came, uh, it's been sorely lacking uh, for the last seven years. I mean, just mediocre coaching, no player development. Dax Norris has done a pretty good job with the pitchers, but guess what? You're not going to pitch and hold people in the Southeast Conference uh, to uh, and have an ERA of under two uh, for the whole dang season. You have to be able to make pitches, to make pitches in big situations as well. But you have to be. What you really have to do is score runs and continue to hit the baseball. For six years, they have had a hitting coach who is the worst in college baseball. The worst. Okay. And years in Alabama history, he played professionally in the major leagues, but he cannot teach hitting. And Mitch Gaspard, Dax Norris has done a solid job uh, as pitching coach, and he did a good job the first year as hitting coach under Gaspard. Uh, but he had to make a change at pitching coach. He had to, you know, uh, he had to, and he dismissed him. He decided to slide Dax over, bring in Andy Phillips. Everyone was excited about it, but within two to three years, you could tell the guy had no clue what he was doing. And because uh, he's part of the family, and because he was in uh, Gaspard was in his wedding, because Gaspard recruited him. He's been loyal to him and kept him around, and now it's going to get everybody fired. Because bottom line is, it's 7-4 right now. It should, I mean, Georgia was going to score some runs. I'm not surprised by that at all, uh, that it's a competitive game. But then the, the head coach also is just not showing any kind of feel for handling pitchers either. He's done it his whole career, leaving pitchers in too long. And the bottom line is, you hear and watch it, you look at his worksheet at Northwestern State, he did not do nearly as well as Jim Wells did. He had mediocre results there and mediocre results at Alabama. He's a lieutenant, not a general, and his hell is going to be fired and soon. Goodbye. If they say his home state of Louisiana, you got him. All right, well, let's uh, briefly touch on gymnastics before we go to our next uh, interview. Uh, the fourth-ranked Alabama gymnastics team is number one seed in the Tuscaloosa Regional. Uh, that will get underway at 4 o'clock, so I won't be able to – Hang around and hear Coach Saban, unfortunately, talk to y'all. I'll have to get that recap from you, Drew. Uh, haven't been in gymnastics all year. I promised my wife we'd go to one meeting. This is the last one at home. So, uh, But I'll see the screen, which is not the, the Saban part. But anyway, so I'm going to go over there and check that out. And all we got to do is finish in the top two there, and they'll advance to the uh, top 12, and then hopefully the Super 6 later on. Uh, it's been an up-and-down season for Alabama gymnastics. So bottom line, they're ranked number four in the country. which is very good and not terribly far behind LSU and Florida. Oklahoma's ranked first. Uh, So that's what's going on with Alabama Gymnastics hosting a regional this weekend at 4 o'clock at Coleman Coliseum in Southern Regional. Now, Drew, if you would, go ahead and uh, introduce us to the uh, next interview we're going to hear from a new member of the Alabama family. Absolutely, and and uh, and first of all, before we uh, before I do that, really quickly, I, I've got a little bit of basketball scoop for everybody, and uh, from a great from good friend, we talked about him in the in the first hour of the program, Garrett Tucker. Expect in the next few days, Bruno Fernando to commit to the SMU Mustangs, so he will be 
off the board, will not be going to the University of Alabama. Uh, but there is some a lot of things working. Some uh, they are definitely working the fifth year transfer route, uh, and there's some uh, there's going to be some names. We talked about one already, uh, but I think there's two or three others uh, that are going to be prominent soon. And uh, and, uh, and just to just keep watching, including Avery Woodson at Memphis. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, another young man from Southern California uh, who is just a just, they've had two or three leave that program uh, uh, from uh, Andy Edenfield even though they did make the uh, NCAA tur- uh, tournament and of course that's Caton Reinhart but just kind of watch him and watch the young man prior also from Robert Morris College but I think Alabama is going to be involved with those three but Bruno Fernando is going to be off the board uh, to SMU. Uh, within the next few days. A little disappointing, but he also still has some academic concerns as well, but that's basketball recruiting. Uh, but and as Kerry said, we're going to have an, an interview coming up for you guys. You should really enjoy it. And if you hadn't watched his film, all you recruitniks that are listening to this show, you need to, uh, from Dodge City, Kansas, via Douglas, Alabama, where he still lives now after moving from Birmingham and spending some time uh, at midfield and, of course, Carver from Birmingham. But just – Johnson, uh, the junior college middle linebacker, spectacular film, and he recently committed to the University of Alabama and uh, joined me on Talking Ball, my Monday, Friday regular radio program on 97.7 The Zone, and we thought you might want to hear that conversation. This is Gary Johnson again, the seventh verbal commitment in the 2017 class for Alabama. And that is Gary Johnson. Gary, how are you doing this morning, sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, well, I'm, I, I want to thank you for joining me. I know it's a busy time for you. Uh, you're going into your sophomore year uh, at Dodge City Community College in Kansas. And, and first of all, for some of my listeners, and uh, especially here in North Alabama, we are in the Huntsville area, uh, kind of tell them about your journey because you are an Alabama native, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, really, coming out of high school, you know, it was pretty rough for me. Uh-huh. I didn't get to play nothing but my freshman year or my senior year. Oh, so really? Wow. With that, being, with that being said, I knew I had, you know, to have an awesome senior year to get to that next level. But at the same time, I had grade issues, so that stopped me from going to the, a Division One school or a Division Two school. So I already knew that I had to take the junior college route in order to get to that next level. And I had a pretty good senior year, you know, I mean, it wasn't the best, but it was pretty decent, decent enough to get me to where I am here in Dallas City. And, and, sir. And what I was going to say, but, but kind of, but, but your journey, as you said, it wasn't easy. You, you kind of, you had that, you transferred high schools uh, to end your career, correct? You spent, did you, did you spend the first three years at, at, at uh, Midfield in Birmingham? Um, I spent two years. I went. Okay. My freshman year and gotcha. my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And my junior year, I went to Carver in Birmingham. Oh, okay. And then I transferred to Douglas. And you transferred to Douglas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so, and kind of talk about the decision to go ahead and do that. What went into your decision to uh, to transfer to Douglas? Uh, I pretty much figured that if I got away from Birmingham, that I can go to another school where I can take my junior and senior year seriously mm-hmm. and get back on track to go to a Division One program and I mean, junior year, it meant the most to me because uh, I w- went to summer school, I did what I had to do, and I still got ruled ineligible mm-hmm. to play because they felt like Douglas paid me to come to school, which they didn't. Right. And I had to sit that year out, you know. And when my senior year came, it was my time to shine. And I know you played running back. Uh, did you play both sides of the ball at Douglas? 
Yes, sir. I play middle linebacker and running back. And I know you suffered an injury. Like a friend of mine had seen you play early in the year. Did you? How did? You, how much time did you miss your senior season? Uh, it was the first game of the season. Maybe four plays into it, and mm-hmm. I'm running down the sideline, and I get hit. And as I'm trying to get up, a player pushes down on my ankle to get up, and it snaps, and I instantly knew something was wrong. So. I went to the doctor. They said, "Hey, you're gonna miss at least, you know." They, at first, it was the whole season, and then they said, "If it if it heals, you'll be able to return by week four, week five." So I ended up missing three games. Wow! But by week four, I was able to return and finish out the season. Well, that, and then you use that as a springboard uh, to to get where you are now, correct? Yes, sir. And kind of and, and talk about that year for you, and and uh, I, I know. Uh, what 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 went into your? Uh, I know uh, getting to Douglas probably meant a lot to you because you had had a lot of instability earlier in your at midfield and at Carver. What did uh, going to Doug? What did what did going to Douglas mean to you in your career? Uh, it mean it meant a lot. I mean, Douglas really changed who I am and changed what I would become because they made it possible for me to continue to play to the next level and not only just play sports, they got me eligible academically mm-hmm. to graduate. And, you know, uh, I mean, I thank everybody at Douglas that, that helped me. I mean, they, they really did help me in every way they could. And, and then talk about your decision to, to uh, uh, obviously you, you had to go, because of the academic situation, you had to go to junior college. What all schools recruited you and what went into your decision to choose Dodge City? Um, I mean, really, I had uh, a lot of JUCOs calling me, mm-hmm. and, you know, I didn't know any of them. I mean, they were all from Kansas, and I had a couple from California, and I had a couple from Arizona. But, I mean, I really looked into the Kansas schools, and, I mean, Butler, they were pretty decent. Coffeyville, they were pretty decent, and Dodge City was pretty decent as well. I mean, they didn't have a pretty good record, but... The most important part was they got a lot of players to the Division One level mm-hmm. more than any other, you know, Kansas JUCO that I looked up. So I pretty much had already knew that Dodge City would be the place for them. And then uh, you obviously had a great transition uh, as a freshman uh, to Dodge City. Uh, you had a, you put up monster numbers. Just kind of talk about uh, how uh, how quickly you were able to acclimate yourself and then uh, transition to the to the college level. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a whole lot different from high school. I mean, I just can't, you know, run around blockers and make a tackle. I had to, you know, study the game every night, watch the film. You know, I had to get us out of bad situations. I had to adjust the defense at times. And, I mean, it's, it'll make you nervous. But, I mean, mm-hmm. my, after my first game, it pretty much became a routine, and I knew what to do. And, I mean, having a, a team like I did on the defensive side of the ball especially, it I mean, it was an honor. I mean, I really didn't have to take on a lot of blockers because of my defensive line. So, I mean, they made it easier on me. So, I mean, they made it possible. And, of course, your film is super impressive. Uh, you made over 130 tackles last year, eight and a half sacks, but also four interceptions. You look you look to me that you're as comfortable against the run as you are against the pass. Yes, sir. And I mean, I, I just look at it as, you know, I used to play running back, so mm-hmm. I think like a running back, but at the same time, I'm I'm playing linebacker. So, I mean, 
I kind of bake things sometimes, and sometimes I just, you know, kind of do my job. But I pretty much just, you know, I, I just try to get to the ball as much as I can. And then what uh, – when did when did your recruiting interest at Dodge City start, though, as far as four-year institutions? When did they start contacting you? Um, it was, like, maybe before the, the snow – our snow game, which was our bowl game, I mm-hmm. uh, started to pick up interest from South Alabama and UAB as well. And right after those games, uh, UAB gave me my first offer, and then South Alabama gave me my second. And pretty much after that, they just started rolling in. Mm-hmm. And and uh, when did Alabama officially offer you, Gary? Um, they officially offered me February, I would say, the 20th. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and did was that a game changer for you? Yeah, I mean, it really was. I mean, I, I had offers from, you know, Baylor mm-hmm. at the time, which was is a pretty good program. Oh yes. And I mean, just to hear, you know, an Alabama coach say, "We want to offer you a full scholarship." I mean, it just lit up my day. And I mean, I didn't know what to do because I honestly didn't think Alabama would offer me out of junior college. Since I didn't even get an offer, you know, not one Division one offer or an NAI offer out of high school, so I mean, I was pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, just who has been your lead recruiter for Alabama, and who first contacted you? Uh, it was Coach Napier. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he followed me, and I followed him back. And maybe two days later, you know, he wrote me and he said he was pretty interested in me and he liked my fam. And uh, like a week later, you know, there was an offer. And uh, and when 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 you got that, you of course you had the offers. You had, you were offered by Baylor. You were offered by Iowa State. You had some good offers on the table. I know Ole Miss. I believe it offered you as well. What went into your um, decision making process to go ahead and commit? I mean, Alabama is my dream school. I mean, every other program that offered me, they're, they're pretty. You know, they're not no bad team. That offered me, but Alabama had something, you know, that I want to be a part of defensively because of how they run things. They're always a championship caliber team, you know. And if you look it up, they have, you know, the most linebackers that, that has went to the NFL and you know played pretty big roles. And I mean, I want that's something I want to be a part of. And what do you and what do you want to what do you think you're going to bring to the table? I know you've watched Alabama closely, being a Birmingham native. Alabama's, of course, won four national championships in seven years. You've watched the linebackers, starting with Rolando McLean, they've put out. Of course, they've they've had Nico Johnson reach the NFL. They've had uh, C.J. Mosley, uh, Reggie Ragland just finished an All-American career. Uh, they've had so many guys uh, that have uh, been able to kind of pass the torch. Uh, from one to the other and playing a middle linebacker. Is is that what really attracted you to Alabama? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, C.J. Mosley, he was one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. And as you can see right now, he's in the NFL. And to hear Coach Saban and Coach Napier compare me to him, I mean, that pretty much says it all, that they have big plans in store for me and they felt like I can come in and play a huge role. And, you know, I feel like with my speed, you know, I mean, I'm not saying a uh, running back is slower in the SEC, but I feel like that from sideline to sideline, I don't feel like a mobile quarterback or a running back would beat me to the sideline. 
opposed to a another middle line linebacker. And uh, I think a lot of Alabama fans uh, would uh, kind of equate you with Dante Hightower. He was from Lewisburg, Tennessee. He played running back and linebacker in high school, and he made the transition to full-time linebacker and had a storied career and has now won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. But I wanted everyone for you to tell everyone, you also were a track standout uh, in high school as well, correct? Yes, sir, I was. Uh, my senior year, I mean, I didn't want to run track. But, you know, they talked me into it, and, I mean, I was pretty – Excited but nervous at the same time because I never did it. Mm-hmm. And you know, to to run track, I mean, it was it was it was a game changer for me. But I I didn't want to run because I we you know we didn't have a, we didn't have blocks. So you know, I felt like everybody would beat me because I was running out of my forty stands instead of running out of blocks. And I mean, look what what happened. I mean, I, I won a state running a ten seven nine. And my best time was a ten five nine, so I mean, it turned out pretty good for me. Wow! And and for everyone, to, how much did you weigh when you ran those times? Um, I was at two eighteen, around two seventeen, one mm. of, of those wow. two. And what is your official height and weight now, Gary? Um, right now I'm six one two eighteen. Two eighteen. So, uh, what is what is what is the main thing you're going to work on from now until uh, the, your sophomore year? Are you going to try to get bigger? Or, and then, what as far as your skill set, what are you trying to get better at as a linebacker? Um, yes, yeah, sir. I'm trying to you know get back to two twenty, two twenty three, two twenty five around there. And I'm really just going to work on keeping my pad level down and you know covering guys in open field a little better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm after. Uh, I'm setting the goal on making at least 150 tackles this year. Wow, and and uh, and as far as that goes, uh, are are you going to be visiting Alabama at any point in the near future? Yes, sir. I will be taking one and uh, a visit uh, right after I leave Dodge, probably a week later, or maybe you know depends on what time I get home or what day I get home, really. And are you are you uh, are you still are you still uh, where are you are you still living in Douglas as far as in Alabama or where are you living now in the uh, offseason? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm still living in Douglas. Okay, and and then uh, what? Uh, and I, I assume that you're uh, still on track on track to uh, be a December graduate. Yes, sir. I am. And that's uh, that's big. It means you've uh, really taken care of your academics. And and how would you characterize your commitment to Alabama? Are you firmly committed? Or are you still going to uh, visit other schools? Um. I'm still going to take, you know, all five of my official visits mm-hmm. to programs. I'm not closing any other program out, but, I mean, as far as right now, I'm committed to Alabama, and that's what I'm going to stick to at the moment. Yeah, and, uh, and I know you got to be excited with how you could fit in their defense. Yes, sir. Well, Gary, we wish you all the luck in the world, man. We want to thank you for your time today. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, and we, and we really uh, are admi- admire you for the, what you've overcome and continue to uh, work hard both on the field and off, it, both academically and as a student. And then, of course, what you've done at Dodge City on the field is uh, amazing. We look forward to seeing how it unfolds as a, your sophomore year and, and, uh, we, and hopefully seeing you come back uh, to your native state and uh, continuing your career. Thank you for the conversation today. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That is Gary Johnson, the latest verbal commitment for the University of Alabama and Nick Saban. Great uh, great to hear from that young guy. He's overcome a lot of adversity to become one of the best players in America. We're going to go on a break here on Talking Ball. When we come back, 
We're going to end hour number two, Crimson Tide Tuesday. But we're going to stay live on BAMS Radio because we have our next guest ready on the Asian Rim Hotline. And guys and gals, if you're anywhere around the Birmingham area, please don't forget to check out the sushi, the Thai food, and the entire menu at the Asian Rim Restaurant located in the Colonnade Shopping Center just off Highway 280. Your hosts are Roy and Paige Hockman. Paige's son is Georgie Salem, center fielder for the Alabama baseball team. Uh, but please give them a check out and also go to their menu at AsianRim.com. You'll have a good idea of what you want to get before you even get there. Great food, great hospitality, great service, great atmosphere. Check out Asian Rim. And, uh, Drew, we've got another guest coming on now on the Asian Rim hotline. Yes, we do. A uh, great friend of this show. And, of course, he hosts the the uh, the, the annual podcast and uh, with another good friend, Luke Robinson, talking Tuscaloosa. Uh, and he's, uh, of course, what I call a recruitnik like myself. Uh, and if there's an Alabama website, he's been a member of. Everyone knows that. And uh, he's in, uh, he's a uh, Alabama fanatic in every sport, and which is another uh, nice thing uh, to have, it's like myself. And uh, just a big-time Tide fan and knowledgeable, uh, one of the more knowledgeable guys you're ever going to hear on this show. Uh, and uh, he's very very uh, opinionated and always brings great insight. And, of course, uh, we are talking about the one and only – on the website, LJS Law, but of course we know him as Jimmy Stein. And Jimmy, how are you doing tonight? Doing very good, doing very good. I hope everyone up in uh, your part of the state is safe tonight. Yes, sir. Yeah, we've we had a tornado warning. We've had some wind and some rain, and it, everything looks like it's going to be okay. But yeah, it's uh, been a little scary. Uh, but I think it's been looking on us. Everybody is okay, Jimmy. And I guess I, I want it for the listeners. Is your podcast? Is it now? Is it once a week now? Or are you guys uh, just uh, uh, still kind of doing it bi-weekly? Or how is it working with Talking Tuscaloosa? It's not. It's not an exactly regular schedule. We we attempt to uh, to get a new podcast gotcha. every week. Every week we try to do it weekly, but uh, uh, let, let's call it weekly to bi-weekly. So uh, I got gotcha. you. Can, uh, you can just check out uh, Talking Tuscaloosa has its own Twitter handle, so anyone can just go to. Mm-hmm at Talking Tuscaloosa, and, and they'll have the, the latest podcast uh, available. Uh, be easy to find on the uh, on the Twitter page. Absolutely, Jimmy. And uh, I just I knew you uh, you guys. That's why I kind of tried to call it annual because I knew you try to do it weekly. But I know sometimes work schedules and other things right. come into play. But uh, it's very good, very informative, and uh, we want to bring kind of and uh, and talk about uh, some uh, basketball, football, maybe even a little baseball. But I guess uh, first, talk about the basketball situation. Get your opinion. Uh, were you surprised uh, at the, uh, the transfers that were announced yesterday? I certainly wasn't surprised uh, regarding Michael Kessens uh, for, for any number of reasons. Uh, I, he just never looked for, for any you – know, he just didn't look very comfortable this season. He, he certainly wasn't very productive in his minutes. And with, uh, and with Nick King, uh, you know, coming on, coming on board, being eligible to play – Next season, you could see Kesson's minutes uh, really shrinking. So uh, I, I really expected that. The Justin Coleman thing surprised me quite a bit. Uh, but, but, you know, now that we've had time to think it through and hear some things, I, I think Justin, very similar to Kesson's, just just kind of saw his minutes shrinking as Dazon Ingram would be coming off injury and, 
and Avery Johnson Jr. will be eligible to play. And and uh, I think Justin uh, has played enough to the point he, he wants to be a starting point guard somewhere. And I think at Alabama, uh, you know, he wasn't a great fit in the SEC all the time. Dude, mostly defensively, you know, I thought. So, uh, you know, I, I was a little surprised because he's a Birmingham guy. He's an Alabama fan. I think he's really enjoyed playing at Alabama. But I think he – he saw and Avery saw his, his future just, just didn't have as many minutes. So uh, I suppose that's, that's why that happened. Well, Jimmy, this is Terry. Thanks again for joining us at Nail Bama's Radio. We really enjoy every time that you do call in and talk to us. Something else that we enjoy, though, is getting to hang out with you at least twice a year anyway at closed scrimmages at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And uh, I'm sure you'll be making the journey up this Saturday, as Drew will and I will. Uh, tell us, uh, first of all, will you be there? And secondly, what you'll be looking for? Well, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly my, my first look at the 2016 team. And, and you know, really uh, not, not so much. You know, a lot of people, you know, positions aren't really won in the spring. I know a lot of fans would love that immediate gratification of knowing what the starting lineup's going to look like against Southern Cal. But, you know, so much can change over the summer and so much changes during fall camp. So not necessarily looking to see who's going to be a starter or even who's necessarily leading at a position, but who looks better, who looks bigger, who looks quicker, uh, who just looks improved. Uh, I think we, we fans, including myself, we have, we have a tendency to see a kid the first time and, and sort of label him like, okay, well, now we've seen this guy, so we know he's – He's X, and he'll never change. But the fact of the matter is almost all the kids improve. Almost all the kids get better. Almost all the kids develop at some point. So really the main thing for me is I'm just excited to see, you know, who, who appears to be developing, who's further along. I know one, one name to me that, that stands out as a guy that you can just sort of sense is about to really bust out, and that's Deshaun Hand uh, along the defensive line and, and uh, I'm just eager to see uh, him uh, him on Saturday. And of course, everyone's gonna gonna want to see the quarterbacks. And again, like I said earlier, you know, a quarterback is not going to win the starting position this Saturday, even if uh, one of the guys goes, you know, 16 for 20 for 200 yards. He he might uh, he might take a lead and he might start getting a lot of first team reps, but but no no one's gonna win the position or even really lose it on Saturday. So. Just, just the normal progression and development of, of the players is what I'm, uh, I'm mostly looking forward to seeing. And Jimmy wanted to kind of get your thoughts also uh, on uh, on the quarterback situation. Uh, really, hearing that, and not surprised. I think it's all going to come down to the um, to the scrimmage uh, action and who, per- who performs. Uh, do you have someone? I mean, of course, I've all I've come into this thing. Believing in the talent of Big Barnett, but I do know that uh, that it's wide open right now. There's no uh, really clear front runner. Who is? Who, do you have someone in your mind that you think is going to win the job, or are you just fascinated to see it all play out? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I'm not really necessarily rooting for any any of the four. Obviously, just whatever Coach uh, Saban and Lane uh, Kiffin thinks is, is is the best guy for the job. That's certainly fine. But, yeah. I, if we if we're like you know betting money on <laughs> who we thought would be the starter, uh, I, I think Blake Barnett will win the job. That, that's my guess, uh, but it, that's all it is is a guess. Uh, I, I, I think Blake will win the job. I think 
a, a question for me, though, that, that I'm not really sure about is I could see the veteran like, like Cooper Bateman sort of sort of maybe being a caretaker until until Lane and Coach Saban think Blake Barnett's ready. If Blake doesn't, if Blake doesn't just absolutely blow the doors off in the scrimmages in the spring and the fall, uh, I could sort of see a scenario where Cooper maybe starts, you know, in the first game and, and, and Barnett sort of takes over at some point. I could kind of see that play. Because the last two years, guys, I remember, even though Blake Sims became the quarterback for 2014 and Jake Coker became the quarterback for 2015, you know, the first game of the year, Saban's official line was, you know, well, one guy's going to start and the other guy's going to play. So I, I don't think it's uh, unusual or, or, or should surprise anyone if, if the same scenario presents itself this fall where – you know, one guy's going to start and another guy they're excited about is going to play. But I think Blake Barnett, uh, the only one I sort of rule out is Jalen Hurts. And, 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 the, and the reason I'm ruling out Jalen myself has nothing to do with what Jalen brings to the table. I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, it just seems to me that from the way Coach Saban's programs worked at Alabama, I mean, we redshirted A.J. McCarron when he was sort of ready to be the backup. We redshirted Blake Barnett. Last year, even though he saw a lot of first-team reps with, 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 uh, in the fall, uh, you know, with the first-team guys. So, based on A.J. Redshirt and Blake Barnett Redshirt, it just sort of, I think, should surprise everyone if Jalen Hurts is a guy they stick out there to play. Plus, plus there's other guys that appear ready. So, I'm, I'm fairly confident we'll see Jalen, you know, Redshirt like the previous talented kids did before him and that. That knocks it down to three guys, Cooper, who's played, and, uh, and Blake Barnett, who we're all excited about, and even David Cornwell, who we have to remember one, one spring ago, Cornwell was basically a 1A or a 1B to Coker. So it uh, shouldn't surprise anybody to see Cornwell uh, do really well this spring either. Jimmy, last hour, uh, Drew shared some observations with us from a friend of his who attended practice yesterday. And I want to give you, Jimmy, this opposite line that lined up uh, that your friend observed. And this was the ones yesterday. Uh, the left tackle, Jonah Williams. The left guard, Bradley Bozeman. The center, Ross Piercemaker. The right guard, Dallas Wormack, not Shank. Shank apparently is uh, having some weight issues. And the right tackle, Lester Cotton, not Charles Ball. That's a unique group of athletes right there. Uh, I wanted to get your impression of that and uh, – Certainly, that's something that we'll all three be watching Saturday. Yes, I, I think going into the spring, the offensive line was the most interesting group to me because we had open spots available, and not only that, for we have an amazing amount of of, of kids that that were potential starters. It, it wasn't just a situation like most teams will have, where there's three or four kids fighting for two spots. Sort of felt to me, guys, like we had nine guys fighting for about three spots because we've recruited so well at that spot. We did have, uh, you know, at least two open positions, maybe three, depending on the situation with Shank. So that, that's where a lot of the drama was, was to me. Again, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to win the starting position against Southern Cal on Saturday or even this spring. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who has the lead. And, and the most interesting thing to me, uh, you know, according to, to that report is, is obviously Dallas ahead of Shank at right guard, but, but uh, a couple of things there, you know, I'm not sure Shank performed at the level last season that, that we'd like to see, and uh, I, I think his job was in jeopardy over that. And there's, you know, word that, that he's probably a little overweight, and uh, that 
when when you're talking about competing for 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 a job with nine guys, you know, and and, and you go in with overweight, you should sort of expect that uh you might lose you might lose that first chair, you know, to one of the competitors until you until you get back in better shape. But I'm super excited about Dallas Warmack's future. I, I think he's one of the better young linemen, not just at Alabama, but but in the SEC. And uh, it's not going to surprise me at all if uh, Dallas Warmack is a starter in the fall at right guard or left guard. And I I think that's true. I think they've built a lot of good depth uh, on the offensive line. I think there's a lot of competition. And Shank Taylor, I thought, really finished the year strong. But he's always been a guy that needed to control his weight, Jimmy, and uh, if he doesn't control his weight, you know that's you know that, that he could lose his job. Uh, there's no doubt with the way they've recruited. I think in years past, Alabama didn't have as much depth, and uh, certain guys were given uh, more, a myriad of opportunities to ke- to keep their jobs because uh, maybe a young player wasn't ready. But this is probably going to have more competition in the next this spring and even. Uh, a year from now than there than there's ever been, and uh, probably eventually there's going to be a, a few transfer because they're they're good enough to play elsewhere. But it's just a huge to me feather in the cap of uh, of Mario Cristobal, no doubt about it. Yeah, no 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 question that uh, the recruiting along the offensive line has been fantastic. And let me tell you, if you if you have a few bad days of practice, you can you can easily lose your job these days. Uh, as many guys as as Warmack, it's it's Lester Cotton, it's even Jonah Williams, Charles Baldwin, Corn Curvin's probably good enough to start now. Uh, obviously, Peter Baker, Hoffenauer, you know, would be starting in most places. Uh, Bozeman's a good player, so uh, it is it is a uh, uh, you know, I don't like saying embarrassment or riches. That, that's uh, the expectations are uh, really high, but uh, it, it's it's really it's a, it's a deep group of solid competitors and, and solid players. And uh, hopefully we'll also see a healthier a healthier Cam Robinson uh, this, this fall. Uh, too. That'll be a big, a big help. I'm not sure Cam was ever at 100% last fall, and, and we, we didn't see the best uh, Cam Robinson has to offer. Hopefully that'll be coming in the fall. Jimmy, I think one of the unsung heroes of the 2015 National Championship team was a true freshman who took over once Dakota Ball kind of showed he wasn't the man as the quote-unquote blocking tight end. And now he's bulked up to almost 260. A guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on that day is Hale Hintis. Uh I think this guy is just a diamond in the rough. Very good uh, player, and, and you're right. Uh, uh, you know, I hope our, our fans that, uh, you know, down the stretch, Hale Hintis was playing a lot lots of first-team snaps down the stretch of a national championship run, uh, blocking for a Heisman Trophy winner. So that experience, I'm sure, helped him a lot. Now he's had a year in the program, a year with Scott Cochran, and and uh, I, I think Hale can be a, a, a fantastic player. I imagine with sharing the tight end load with O.J. Howard, sharing the line and the eight spots with O.J., I'm assuming this year in sophomore year we'll see Hale the blocker because O.J. is going to be the guy catching the balls. Uh, what will be interesting down the road is to see Hale sort of morph from uh, from the designated blocking guy to the receiving threat. And, uh, and you know, based on his high school tape, you know, I, I think that's a guy who could really help us in that area, and I'm sure he's going to catch a handful of balls this year. 
uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited about Hill, and he looks like a he looks like a big time contributor now, and and potentially a future star. And uh, I think uh, him getting up to Tuesday's huge, Jimmy. I think he can uh, be the second tight end and compliment OJ Howard. I'm I'm anxious to see how he's going to do as a receiver and. I, I, I wanted to know your thoughts. I, I'm uh, really interested to, to see how the running game develops because um, we've, uh, we know Bo Scarborough has talent and is a first-round guy uh, if he can stay healthy. I mean, I hate to put that on him, but I think that's the truth. I think everybody has a lot of expectations for him coming up this year, but he must stay healthy. But the backs behind him, Damian Harris, uh, so far this spring – I have, from what I understand, it's been underwhelming, but of course he's, there's still uh, nine more practices to go, including the seventh tomorrow, and then the scrimmage work. He's got a chance to step up. But heard some encouraging things about Xavion Marks yesterday, and he's someone that really hasn't been talked about at all. And we talked to William Barger about him and uh, how, what kind of role he could play with the team. And uh, what is your thoughts on the running back situation uh, going into uh, 2016? Well, it's a bit like a broken record. I think everybody that discusses the running back position, the first name they're going to bring up is Bo Scarborough, and then the word shortly after Bo Scarborough's health. I mean, you just can't get away from discussing Bo without, without discussing his health, simply because whether it's, uh, whether it's the makeup of his, of his physiology or whether it's just crazy bad luck, most seasons Bo Scarborough has played football and he has been injured. And uh, if he if he's as healthy at the start of this upcoming season and stays healthy throughout, it's sort of a first for him, and uh, and he'll be having to do that against SEC defenses. So, you know, I I, I think uh, we're, it's just it's just common sense for us to be nervous about uh, Bo's uh, injury history. However, uh, I'm with you, Drew. If, if Bo is healthy, and we see a healthy Bo uh, on, on all, running on all cylinders. He has the same sort of athletic ability that Derrick Henry in terms of his size and speed and cutting ability and that, that tremendous size. So super excited about Bo and the prospect of keeping healthy. Uh, Damian just, I think, has some development to do. Uh, I, I'm hoping uh, that we haven't seen all – we haven't seen the best of it. It came from some questionable competition – I think uh, SEC is just one step short of NFL. I think sometimes we forget that. It's not, it's not just that it's college football. It's, it's an SEC, it's the SEC playing an SEC schedule. It's the second best football in the world behind, behind the NFL. And uh, it's a heck of an adjustment from small school ball in Kentucky to the SEC. And hopefully Damien's just, uh, just you know, uh, de- developing it at his own pace and uh, – he has run a four-five flat, you know, on, on the clock this spring, and uh, you know that, that that's really fast for for uh, over 200-pound back. So I, I'm still hopeful Damian will develop. Uh, I think Xavier Marks is interesting, and he brings something completely different to the table. Not something we've seen a lot under Nick Saban, or something that's worked a lot. But I think having a jet sweep type running back that's uh, that's in there for, for for two or three carries, or just the threat of the jet sweep. Uh, that might be something that, that Lane Kipping could really use. So I think that's interesting. I think Derek Gore is a guy I, I doubt we would, you know, we, we probably don't want to be in a position where we're counting on him to carry the ball 25 times against uh, Tennessee. But uh, 
I doubt many teams in the SEC have a walk-on running back that's the quality of Derek Gore. I think he can be helpful as a third guy or fourth guy. And then, of course, we have the two freshmen showing up. And while we're super excited about the freshmen, I try not to assume too much about them. But based on their high school tape, there's every reason in the world to be hopeful that B.J. Emmons and Joshua Jacobs are both capable of stepping in and playing as freshmen and maybe pushing Damian Harris pushing Mert, pushing Ronnie Clark, and maybe guys that, that can get uh, into the rotation early like uh, some of the other previous freshman backs under Nick Saban. You're listening to BAMS Radio Live. We're talking to uh, LJS Law, a.k.a. Jimmy Stein. You can follow him on Twitter, at LJS Law. And I can report that uh, in the bottom of the seventh, Alabama has uh, made it a 7-6 to six game, but Georgia still leads the Crimson Tide in Athens. Uh, but getting back to football, uh, Jimmy, were you as surprised as I was when the news first came out that Rashawn Evans was going to be tried at inside linebacker? Because at the time I was a little taken aback, but now it appears that he may be the guy lining up next to Reuben Foster. Yeah, uh, the, my my initial reaction was surprise, and I was basically really a, as a compliment to Rashawn. Uh, I thought he played well in, in the role we had him in. Admittedly, it was basically a reserve role. But he was playing more and more snaps with the first team. Uh, we saw him play some important snaps in the national championship game. Uh, and, I, and I thought Rashawn was doing well, and what we were having him do really fit his skill set. Uh, when, when the talk uh, you know, came that we would be moving Rashawn inside, uh, I had all sorts of concerns simply because I really do believe it's a huge adjustment. Uh, some people say, yeah, it's linebacker. You just move to another linebacker spot. But it, it couldn't be any more different. I mean, it's when you're playing inside, inside that tackle box, uh, there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of big bodies. He has to shed multiple blockers perhaps on one play uh, instead of just dealing with a, with a 320-pound tackle. He can blow past outside. Now he's got fullbacks coming at him. He's got guards coming at him. He's got to take on running backs who are squared up to the line of scrimmage. It's just a completely different world. And uh, and Rashawn didn't even play that position in high school, guys. I mean, that, that's another big thing. I think much like running back, inside linebackers, it's just a real instinctive spot. And I think kids that have played it uh, for a while are better suited uh, to, to stay in that position. And, and this was a, like a brand-new thing for Rashawn, who was an outside pass rusher, an outside end, you know, at Auburn High School. So, uh, I, I was surprised, and now that he's doing well, I'm surprised again, although he is a fantastic athlete, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised that just on athletic ability alone uh, that, that he would be good right off the bat. So uh, I'm excited to see him Saturday. Uh, I'm certainly not down on, on another inside linebacker competing for that role in Sean Dion Hamilton, who I think is a, a good player. I think he's got maybe limited upside due to a lack of size, but, but Sean Dion is a good player and he's a smart kid. And uh, I think intelligence is often underrated, uh, and, and, you know, in, uh, in, in evaluating football players. So uh, we'll, we'll see what, what Rashawn can do. Well, we have a couple, we, we run so many personnel packages, guys. He, he could end up being a first team kind of nickel at, at the will spot. Uh, I think, I, I think going in, that might be his best bet, but, Heck, if, if he's doing as well as, as the reports indicate, maybe he is a uh, major threat to take over Sean Dion's role at will and regular as well. 
And Jimmy, uh, I'm, uh, I, I wanted to get your thoughts real quickly. And I know the scrimmage is, has been, uh, you know, is going to be something that everybody's uh, eagerly anticipating Saturday. And we talked about the transfers in basketball. Uh, I wanted to talk a little baseball here. We Alabama is still trailing 7-6. A nice job by Chandler Taylor, the true freshman from Montgomery, uh, throwing out a runner at the plate. Good job by Will Haney as well. And uh, Ray Castillo has done a nice job out of the bullpen picking Alabama up. But what are your thoughts, I mean, uh, about his large future? Uh, uh, he's a great man, the nicest guy you're ever going to meet. I mean, I was in I was in favor of him getting the job. I had no problem with him getting an opportunity to lead the baseball program. But uh, to me, uh, I just think it's been seven years of mediocrity. And if they don't turn it around this year and get to the postseason, I, I feel like there's going to be a change. What are your thoughts on that? So it's one of those situations, guys, where I'm just really glad that I'm just a podcast blog guy and not a – not wearing a suit and, and, and working in the athletic director's chair every day. It's a, t- it's a tough deal. Uh, I look, I look at the, here, here's the, the two cases being, to be made. One is uh, Mitch has been there now seven – this I think is his eighth year. His eighth seventh. Season, mm-hmm. The seventh season. So if, if we don't know who he is and what he brings to the table by now, we're just not paying attention. I mean, I think the mm-hmm. record. I agree, hundred percent. These are these are all his players. These are all his guys. It has been for several seasons. It's his program. He's recruited these guys. He's hired these coaches. He's coached the kids, and now he has a lengthy record to evaluate him on. And Coach Battle or or or, or whomever it is is going to have to make a decision based on a record that's open and obvious to everyone. And the question is, is what he has done good enough? And I certainly understand those uh, that say that it's not good enough. It's not good enough. We, we want to get to Omaha. We want to win the SEC. Uh, we, we want to get back to the same heights that the program was under when uh, when Coach Wells had it going really well. So I get that. On the other hand, there's this. Uh, I think he's been uh, to the NCAA tournament. He's made the uh, NCAA tournament four or five times. It's not like we haven't made the postseason. We've actually made the postseason pretty consistently. Uh, the deal is, though, we've barely gotten in, and once we've gotten there, we haven't done well. So, mm-hmm. so it's just sort of hard to I'll, – I'll just say this. To, to anyone super eager to get rev, I hope the next guy gets the postseason four out of six or five out of seven years. I mean, I hope so. I mean, I think that's, that's good. But what hasn't been good is barely getting in, having a 500 record uh, in the league, barely, if that, and then get into the, the tournament and losing a couple of games. Sometimes teams we should be beating, like whether it's Kennesaw State or or, or, or someone else. So uh, I, I certainly understand the frustration. I'm frustrated myself at times. I think the baseball program should be better than it is. I really do. And I think we're capable of having a program, despite all the lottery talk. Uh, I think we're, we're certainly capable of having a program as good as the LSUs and the Floridas and the South Carolinas. And, uh, and if, if we want better and expect better, then we, then we should make a change. Uh, on the other hand, it's not like we're losing. It's not like we're 4-16, and 16, and it's not like we don't make it to the postseason, and it's not like we're the worst program in the league. We're, we're not. We're not. We're competitive. We're, we're competitive in the SEC, and we're nobody's easy out. So, it, it, to, me, to me, it's a tough call, but uh, in the end, if, if, if we want to – 
compete for championships. There's a, enough of a record there to make an evaluation and, and, and the argument that, look, we're not winning championships and we want to do better. I, I, I certainly understand that argument winning the day. Well, that's great timing, Jimmy, and uh, great observations as well. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, call it a night here in less than 90 seconds. We want to thank you so much for your time. We do look forward, both of us, uh, Drew and I, to seeing you Saturday, and we advise everybody to uh, Google and listen to Talking Tuscaloosa with Jimmy Stein and another Luke Robinson, who we need to get back on soon. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, Jimmy. Uh, good night to you, and roll tide. And great thoughts, hey, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys having me on every time. Roll Tide, and everybody stay safe. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, it sounds like, Drew, that uh, there's already been some damage in Hubbardville and that there's a tornado in the area at Hartsville. So thoughts right. and prayers go to those people. Uh, but we're almost out of time. It's been another great show. Uh, I do want to thank Jimmy Stein, a personal friend of ours, for calling in and helping us out for that half hour. And, of course, uh, Pretty much the newest member of the BAMS team, uh, for his astute 45 minutes worth of observations in hour number one. And uh, so that was good, too. And, uh, of course, the uh, excellent recorded interview we had with Gary Johnson by you, Drew. Thank you for that. But it is time to wrap up another edition of BAMS Radio. Thank you for joining us, those of you who listen live, those of you who listen on the podcast. But for uh, Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone and for our executive producer, uh, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama. I'm your co-host, Gary Clark from BamaMag.com. Thanks again for joining us on Bama's Radio. Good night. Stay safe, those of you here in Alabama, and roll tide. Roll tide, and Alabama is tied at seven, bottom of the seven. Or excuse me, top, top of the eight. Parker. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.